Hello, you're listening to Goodness Gracious Grief. I'm Katie Brain, and this week I've got something a bit different for you. I would love to know if there's anyone out there who has used their creativity to process their grief. I guess a bit like I'm doing with this podcast. And the reason I ask that is because in this episode, I'm featuring an exhibition called The Art of Grieving. Now, the Art of Grieving exhibition is a display of various artworks by professional and amateur artists that aims to empower expressions of loss and grief and just get people talking about this taboo subject. And it's actually the third exhibition of its kind. The first Art of Grieving exhibition took place in September 2017. And this one is happening in Hertfordshire in the town of St Albans at the St Albans Museum and Gallery. And as it's so local to me, I actually went along for a visit and met with the founder, Kate Ray. And I just wanted to share my experience with you of some of the artwork that I saw and just some of the the feelings I had going away from that exhibition as well. So in this episode, please join me as I visit St Albans Museum and Gallery for the Art of Grieving exhibition. Here's me talking to the founder, Kate Ray. I started volunteering about 10 years ago for a local bereavement charity called St Albans Bereavement Matters. Um, And I was initially a volunteer and then I became a trustee. And once I'd become a trustee, I was looking for a different way to offer support. Um, As a charity, mainly um, the work we did was offering um, counselling or talking therapies. And I just wanted to offer something completely different to draw in different people because I felt that um, counselling and talking therapies weren't necessarily um, suitable for everyone or it wasn't what everybody wanted. Um, and that, that in, some, in some cases it felt pressured. And, and I thought art and loss of all sorts, not just um, bereavement, go to, together really well. Um, and that people often use art as a therapeutic way of helping themselves with loss or grief. And that an exhibition would be something that people co- could come and look at without feeling a pressure that they were going to be expected to do anything or give anything. And I also felt that that allowing artists who had chosen to create work about a loss or a bereavement or a death, um, allowing them to share it was offering them support because artists often or mostly um, create work that they want to share Um, but they also um, feel supported by the process of of creating work Um, and then coming together as a group of artists would make them feel further supported that they're part of a community of supporting people through um, loss and grief. Did you experience grief? Is that where the feelings and everything came from to start all of this well that's a really good question I mean if you'd asked me that a while ago when I first started volunteering for bereavement matters I I would have said that I hadn't 
suffered any significant loss. I mean, I've lost my grandparents and I've lost a cousin and I've lost, I know I have lost people I'm very close to, but um, in terms of, you know, um, a very close family or friend, um, possibly when it, when it started, that wouldn't have been the case. Sadly, I have lost a couple of friends since I started that work. But I was asked this um, recently, and actually the answer, I think, is going back to my childhood. When I was about um, 11, my aunt, who I was named after and was very, very close to, she, um, she had cancer, and we were visiting her often, and I knew that she was really ill, but it had not occurred to me that she might die. It, it really hadn't... I, I don't know how it hadn't, but because you know I was 11, I wasn't five, but it hadn't. And the day that my mum told me, I can remember exactly where I was standing and exactly how I felt. And it felt to me at that moment that the sky fell in. Um, that's the best way I've found to describe it, that something completely shifted in the world and my whole perception of the reality of the world shifted in that moment because because she died um, and then I think what made it perhaps have more of a profound effect even than that is that I was desperate to go to the funeral with my parents um, and refused to go to school on the day of the funeral because I was hoping that I would make them take me and they and they didn't take me they took me to a neighbor's house and um, it was all very difficult, and and then because I'd made such a fuss and had to be taken to a neighbour's, they were actually late for the funeral. Um, and anyway, it, cutting a long story short, it, it was never discussed again. I mean, obviously, I felt terrible um, even at that age. I, you know, I knew that I'd sort of been naughty, if you like, or you know, misbehaved and caused a fuss. Um, but we didn't talk about it again. In fact, it, it wasn't till about three years ago that I, uh, my parents and I talked about it and they said that they wish they'd done things differently and looking back, they can't think why they didn't let me go when I was so determined that I should go. And, um, so that's the, that's the only thing I can think um, that, that made me feel always that... I, wouldn't, I don't shy away from somebody who's had a loss. If somebody has um, suffered a bereavement or is grieving, it's not something that scares me. It's not something that makes me feel... I mean, I don't necessarily feel like I know the right thing to say, but it doesn't make me feel that I should keep away from them or say nothing for fear of saying the wrong thing because it make, I think I've come to realise that people... Um, they don't want to be ignored and um, they don't want their grief not to be seen. They would rather somebody said something than nothing, generally. And that's what this exhibition's doing. It's opening up conversations. It's people sharing their stories yes. with grief and that's hopefully... Right. By coming and looking at everyone's work, then people can relate to some yeah. of the stories and, yeah. and share Absolutely. their Absolutely. And that, do you know, that's one of the overriding things that the artists say when they submitted work wanting to take part one of the things that is often important to them 
is that they want people who've suffered a loss similar to theirs not to feel alone and to feel that they're, they are seen by someone. I mean, for example, one of the first exhibits we'll see is about um, baby loss and IVF, miscarriage. Um, and um, the person who created that um, is, is really um, wanting other women who go through that very difficult process of IVF and then losing, um, losing that pregnancy to feel that, that they're seen because she feels that it's something that's often ignored and shunned and people don't want to talk about it or people feel scared to talk about it. Um, so, yeah, I think generally that would be something that most of the artists, or if not all the artists who've taken part, they want to share their work so other people that come to the exhibition can feel supported by seeing that someone else has suffered in the way they have. Tell me about the music that we're hearing as soon as you walk into this exhibition. Okay, so this is one of uh, a number of musical um, submissions that we had to the exhibition. And this was created by a lady from Northern Ireland. She was actually funded by the Northern Irish government to create this, this piece of work called Songs for the Lost. And it's about people who will have been lost to COVID all over the UK and it was created during, during the pandemic. So it's in, incredibly moving and important for this time in, um, in the world's life, basically, if you think about it. The world, pandemic's been everywhere around the world. I was People gonna say that. Yeah, people. so throughout the exhibition, there are obviously a lot of reflections on COVID. And I think for some, COVID was the first time that they had experienced loss. Um, and everyone was going through it at the same time. So I think everyone yeah. grieved differently because we couldn't really do the norm. So, for example, my I lost my nan during COVID. I'm sorry. Um, and we couldn't be with her. Yeah. Which is absolutely heartbreaking. And I think that's yeah. the hardest thing for us because it was so unexpected because she wasn't she wasn't ill. Yeah. Um, and yeah, my my mum my mum had COVID at the time, so she was isolating, so she hadn't seen my nan. Yeah. And then I went and visited my nan, and I think it's really special because I I've got I had a newborn son at the time, and I went round there for a few hours and spent the day with her. Um, and in my head, I was like, she's acting very strange. Um, but we just left her there, went home, and the next day she was taken into hospital. And because my mum had COVID, she well, she wasn't allowed in hospital, but. Also, yeah. because she had COVID, she couldn't do anything about it because she couldn't yeah. leave the house. So I think my mum and her grief, like that's the saddest I've ever seen her, like yeah. on those following days. 
and people just not being able to say those final goodbyes. I think that yeah. made the whole grieving process a, a lot more difficult for people. Absolutely. And I definitely think that's reflected in some of the work yes. here today. Yes. Have, you, have you noticed, obviously through your line of work in the last couple of years, how people have reacted differently to bereavement and grief? Yeah, no, I definitely would say that. I think it's brought a different um, level of challenge to to the ways that people have have lost lost loved ones. And actually, these the next the two exhibits that we'll look at are both directly connected to that, but from a different angle in the sense that they're um, created by people who uh, one person who works at the crematorium in Garston, West Hart's crematorium and the other is created by the person who runs the three cemeteries in St Albans and I met with them last year because they were interested in taking part in the exhibition and talked with them at length um, and with a funeral director actually as well and all of them had been profoundly affected by their, by, by their work during the pandemic um, in ways that they'd found in, intensely painful and difficult. Because as a profession, that, if you think about that whole death profession segment of, um, of our society, they all go into it because they want to look after people, they want to look after the person who's died because they're looking after bodies, but they also look after the families of those that have died. And they all, talking to them, it was obvious how passionate they are about the care they offer. And what had made it so painful for them during the pandemic was that they weren't allowed to offer that care. And that the people that they weren't allowed to care for were upset and in some cases angry that they weren't being offered that care. And they themselves felt devastated that they weren't caring for people as they normally would. And those two exhibits are about, are about that. Um, the first one is... Yeah, the first one... Yeah, the, the first one is about the, the cemeteries and the lady here, the, it's, it's anonymous, but she, she spoke about having to have the gates shut and that the gates are always open and people, families and people um, connected to loved ones are always welcome and they had to have the gates shut and she spoke about a scene where she had people reaching through those gates and begging to be allowed in and she said it was absolutely heartbreaking and what she's written here is incredibly profound and in my mind incredibly moving um, and really only gives a tiny glimpse into how um, changed they felt I'm just they had been. I'm just going to read one line of this. It says, overnight we switched from being a guide, a shoulder and a part of the process that brings some comfort, to being an obstruction. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah. And that's, that's that's how they felt and they hated it. They really, you know, they knew they had to do it as the government required and as the pandemic required, but they found it really difficult not to be able to care for the families as they normally would. Really, really difficult. I think the um, next picture highlights this even more for me as well, because like you said, people were angry, but angry you know, at the wrong people, it was no one's fault. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just describe this picture for us. Okay, so this is a, um, a photo, a black and white photo of 26 flower stands that are outside the West Hearts Crematorium. 
Um, and in this situation, this was something that um, the person who created this exhibit told me about um, when I first met, met them. And um, basically, somebody came to deliver some flowers and commented that they were, why had they got the flower stands out for the whole week? And was really shocked to hear that actually that was just for one day and that they'd had weeks and weeks of having that number of, of cremations in one day. When I saw this, when I walked in, that really kind of put things in perspective for me because kind of life's gone back to normal a bit. It's like we're almost forgetting yeah. everything that we've all been through. Yeah. So I'm just going to read this part. It says, During the first wave of the pandemic, a gentleman came to the office to ask if he could place flowers at one of the stands. I went outside to help him with his inquiry. He was puzzled by the number of stands and asked me why we had put out all the stands for the whole week. When I replied that these were the stands for just that one day, he was visibly shocked and in that moment, I too saw the enormity of those 26 stands for the first time. I stood a while and counted the stands, thinking about how each one of those 26 stands represented one special person who had family and friends that would be grieving for them. This was just one day that sticks in my mind and I knew that this was happening every day all over the country. It was very hard not to be overwhelmed by the sheer scale of grief and sadness that we were surrounded by in those dark days. We had 26 flower stands out every day for nine weeks. This man, his, his son died from a thrombosis and he's created a charity called Stand Up For Lewis because essentially um, his son died during the pandemic. Is this the boy who was playing computer? Yes. quite a lot. I yes. know this story and it's heartbreaking. Yes. Wow, yes. okay. And this is his dad's work. Oh my and goodness. And isn't it beautiful? Yeah, I mean, it is. It really caught my eye. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a story yeah, that I know very well, um, unfortunately, and it is very sad. But can you just describe the painting that his dad's done here? Um, well, these are, one, the first one is called Spirit Unraveled, the second one Temple for Dreaming, and the third one Ascension. And um, basically they're created from old um, music, pieces of music that have been formed into a sort of collage to create the effects of a temple, of um, something unravelling and of something moving upwards. And they are so creative and so beautiful and oh, I, I just yeah I, I find them very moving yeah so the first thing that you see when we we walk in to the the first room here is this big glass block and, and in it just describe what I'm looking at you're looking at 34 origami stalks and these beautiful stalks are hung from as hung as a mobile, so you can't see the threads because the threads are so fine, and they're it's strung from two wooden hoops that have been specially created for this purpose. And these 34 origami stalks are made from the medic medication instructions from IVF med medicine. Wow, okay. And this was created by a lady called Nikki Power. 
um, who went through IVF during the pandemic, so she had to do a lot of it on her own. Um, and for those who've been through IVF, it's a difficult process, even if you're doing it with your partner, going to all your appointments and supporting you. To do it actually on your own makes it a lot harder. And at the end of the day, it's, it's very difficult, even if it works. And if it doesn't work, then obviously that's an, another level of loss and heartbreak. And one thing that's caught my eye whilst we've been looking at that is these old shoes. They are the, the cast from a pair of old shoes. Um, so um, this person, Mary Down, she put plaster in, on the inside of the shoe to create these plaster casts and then she's got a poem written on the, where the feet would have gone in. Um, but they are absolutely amazing, aren't they? And it is... I love that idea. Yeah. I, actually, I want to do that. It's such a beautiful idea and so effective. And, and yeah, it's, it is one of the things that catches people's eye, eyes when they come, come into this first gallery um, of this exhibition. It is strange because I remember um, my nan, she never threw away my granddad's slippers. They were always yeah. in the cupboard. And when I see that, it just reminded me yeah, that exactly. those things that you don't want to get rid of. And if you do that, you don't have to. Exactly, it becomes yeah. a piece of art, doesn't it? Rather it than an old pair of smelly slippers yeah. sitting in the cupboard. It's beautiful. I know, it's so creative. So as we walk along the corridor here, these two pieces caught my eye when I come in. Um, can you tell me a bit about what we're looking at here? So we're looking at the work of Dawn Elliott, who's written, who's made these two pieces. One's called Loss and the other's called Loss Two. And they're about um, the loss of her mum and how that affected her. Um, and so this is how she's poured her emotion onto the, onto the page. I think they're both really beautiful. For me, these are kind of like the immediate reaction to yeah. grief. Yeah. When you kind of feel exactly. there is no going forward. You just yeah. want to sit in a and corner. Sit and sit huddled in a corner, exactly. You don't want sit anyone. with your face covered by your hands. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then as we move down here, we've got some tapestry with various photos on? Well, it's not tapestry. It's, they're actually, it's, it's, it, this is a stunning piece. It's um, on netting, and these are actually handkerchiefs, just ordinary white handkerchiefs. Oh, yeah. And this is cyanotrope work, which is um, when you use, a, you put photographs onto fabric using just blue ink. It's a, wow. it's a particular way to do it. This artist um, lost her daughter to sepsis when her daughter was 22 um, and then um, her, I think it's her godson, her friend's son was lost um, almost the same day but a diff different year and this is in memory of both of them. Now that I'm looking at this again, the handkerchiefs they're just that idea of kind of you've got a hanky yeah. to wipe, wipe your, your eyes. Tears. Exactly, exactly. It's beautiful. It's yeah. really beautiful. So it's photos of each of the two young people who've died, and then there's one with the poem on and one with flowers on which were um, Kiyama's favourite flowers, forget me nots. 
Now these next ones, I looked at this one here on the bottom left and yeah. I thought, it's so me. Yeah. It's so me. So what it is, Everything, it's a, Yeah, everything's it's a going on underground. Yeah, yeah, and all the roots have got different words. So on top you're fine. Yeah, thanks for asking. Nothing wrong today. But underneath, we've got things like life's a bit scary. I feel a bit lost. My past affects me. I'm hurting. And that's kind of all those deep roots. Yeah. Exactly. that people don't see and yeah. again it just reminds me of the importance of this exhibition and getting people to, to express to talk yeah and who yeah. is this work by this is by rebecca gibbs um she's a young artist rebecca. she she is a young artist yeah and she um lost her mum not so long ago and that's really what drew her i think initially she was creating work to help herself and then she started sharing and had such a great response that she now shares. She's got a, a successful account on Instagram um, and actually she's, she prints cards and sells cards with some of these images on. But I mean, I think, well, we've got two sets of four images here and they're quite different, but they're all so moving and so important. They give such real important messages, I think. What Rebecca says here in this, she says, the first year of grief was totally debilitating for me. And I think that's really important because for people that haven't experienced grief, it's so hard to describe the yeah. feelings of how it is going to feel because everyone's is different. Yeah. So, yeah, it can be debilitating. Yeah. And obviously, going, having been through grief myself, the only way I can describe it is an absolute roller coaster. Yeah. To be honest, and nobody else knew what I was feeling, and nobody else can help you in that time. It's up to you. Even if someone is going through essentially the same grief, I don't know if you've got a sibling, but you, you know, they might, you might, a person might have a sibling who's also lost their their grandma or their nan, but they they would go through it differently. They won't necessarily feel the same as you on the, on the same day. Obviously they won't, and also they, their, their grief might take a different path and they might feel that after a year they're moving on, but then after three years it all hits them again and they feel terrible loss again. Maybe sometimes people feel terrible loss at another significant moment in life, for example, if they have a baby or if they get married or, and that person's not there with them, that can make it hard again. I think one of the, the best things that I read um, was that grief is like waves in the ocean. And, you know, you could be smooth sailing at one point and then just out of nowhere, there comes a big wave yeah. that catches you off guard and just yeah. completely knocks you over. Yeah. And that's been the best thing for me, that how I can relate to it. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it can be the most random things that kind of set you off when you least expect it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, I'm not an emotional person in public, so I don't like getting caught out. Now, what we're looking at now, this is such a simple but beautiful idea, and I was reading these earlier, um, and I just want to read this one out. It says, Dear Ayan, Amu, can you get me a new calculator? That was your last text message to me. I did. It's still sitting on your desk, untouched. I know. It's it really heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah. that one. And I yeah. think that's just a sign of life going on yeah. around us. Um, but in that case, coming to an abrupt stop, you know, he was there and then he wasn't there. And yeah, it's really, this is a really moving exhibit. Just Tell me the story behind this. 
Um, so, so this is um, about um, Ayan Hussein, who died at the age of 13 in 2020. And the pieces of writing are from some are things that his mum or his dad have written. And the four sketches in the middle are drawn by his younger sister. Um, and it's, as you say, it's, it's so simple and yet it's so beautiful. Um, it's, it's just talking about, there's one here, and, it, and she, she says that she watches football with her dad now because she knows that her brother would have watched football with her dad and she knows that her dad will be missing him, so she watches with him instead. And this picture um, of them all watching the football yeah. together and you can see here is yeah. Ian in the middle with a halo and, and angel wings. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. It's absolutely beautiful, isn't it? These, these photos here, these, they're just hands but there's more to it than that. And I'm not yeah. very good at describing this. You might do a better job than me. I think it shows the... Well, firstly, you can tell that these are old hands um, and they're frail and they're sort of holding... They're hands that are being held in a way that suggests that the person is, is at rest but they're not holding hands as young people or people who are deliberately holding hands. The, per the hands are, are both facing upwards and the, the hands are being cupped. One hand is being cupped in the other. And the way the photographs have been produced um, and the effects that's been used in the photography is really um, connecting to the fact that this person, um, is, their work's about loss through dementia. Um, and so I think it brings to it brings to mind that loss that that loss of the the essence of a person when the person is still there, because that's sort of what the photos look like. As the the hands fade out in some of those photos, the the essence of the hand is still there, but the the reality isn't. So uh, I think that's what the type of loss you experience when someone's got dementia. That the you get peaks of that, that person that you've known and loved, but sometimes you just can't reach them. So, yeah. And you do that much more beautifully than I could yeah. do. Well, my, my, my granny had dementia, so, yeah. And that's the spent matches. That's about the sparks in your brain and that they get lost, you know, when they, the bits yes. in your brain die when you've got dementia. The connections break or... So it's about those all lost memories. It's, yeah, it's, I, I think that's absolutely beautiful. That's by an Italian millman. And, um, yeah, it's really good. That piece is called Days, Months, Years. I've said um, already, obviously, everyone's grief is different, but I think that's really reflected in yeah. all of the work that you're seeing oh. here. Because not only have you got paintings and photographs, letters... There, there is films and everything, and there's other things that you're doing alongside the exhibition yeah. as well, aren't you? Like the deaf cafes. Can yes. you tell me a bit about those things that are going on? Yeah, well, I decided that rather than just have the exhibition, which is what we did in 2017 and 2019, this time, because we had such a big platform holding it here in St Albans Museum and Gallery, that we would create an art grieving festival. 
and have a number of connected events as well. Um, so as you said, we've had the first of two death cafes this weekend um, where people come, um, the death cafe movement, I don't know if you know about it, but people, um, people, often strangers, but you can come with a friend or relative if you want to, drink tea or coffee, eat cake and talk about death. It's not in any way um, a therapy session or counselling. It's just for people to talk about death in any way they want to. So some people come, some people come because they're curious to see what a death cafe is like. Other people come because they want to talk about what they might want for their own funeral. Um, some people come because they have lost somebody and they now feel that they're not in the in the early grieving stage, but they want different people to talk to about their loss and how they're going through it. And other people come um, just as a way of researching about wills or you know types of funeral, etc., etc. So yeah, I think what's brilliant about the death cafes is sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger yeah. about these things because if you've lost someone close to you, so has all your immediate family around you and yeah. you don't want to talk about things in case you're going to upset them. So yeah. to talk to strangers who you know are experiencing the same thing as you yeah. just makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah. And there's tea and cake. So. Uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And it, let's face it, you know, death is the one thing that's certain, the one thing yeah. that we know will happen to all of us and yet we don't really talk about it. It's often something that people shy away from and are worried about talking about, you know, not well lots of people don't make a will um lots of people don't have any any wishes that they've told to others about what they might want at their funeral or what they might want to happen to their body um and really it's much easier for your loved ones that are left behind if you have you know i have a note on my phone that says you know i like this song i like this song i like these flowers i want this type of coffin just because you know if something were to happen suddenly, then that would be a lot easier on my daughters and husband and family, that they had some sort of idea, because, yeah. And I can say from first-hand experience that when I lost my dad and he didn't have a will, it was an absolute nightmare. Like, I had to make, as next of kin, I had to make so many decisions, and I think that made it harder for me, because I was questioning myself about the decisions yeah. I was making. Because yeah. Me and my dad, we never lived together. We weren't. We didn't have the closest relationship. So I was like, am, am I the right person? Does he want to be buried? Does he want to be cremated? What song am I going to have in the church when he's being yeah. walked in? And that can just be so much easier if you just write yeah. it down. Yeah. So I'm very, very passionate about getting people yeah. to do that. And I haven't done it for myself yet because I'm not quite ready but it is always in my thoughts and I'm always thinking okay yeah maybe actually that song I'll write that down at some point but you've got to be ready to write it down in a place or whether you want to do it professionally but all I'm going to say is just do it just to help yeah. your loved ones around you because oh, it is absolutely. not a nice job no not a nice job at all now I don't want to give too much away about everything that's here because I want people to come in and look at it all themselves and just take everything in but when you're putting this all together, yeah. how did you find people who were, were willing to open up and share their stories? Um, well, I uh, publicised that there was a third exhibition happening um, on social media and um, 
I contacted um, art societies and um, schools and all different organisations in the area connected to art and artists. And people were invited to submit their work. Um, we actually had more submissions than we could accommodate. We actually had, because of social media, we had submissions from Canada, America, India. Um, unfortunately, only the one from Canada did we accept into the exhibition, partly because of lo the logistics of getting such special work over and then getting it back to the, the artists themselves. But also because we had so much work from um, the UK that um, we, we felt that it was more important that we exhibited those pieces of work. Um, and yeah, so we've got 50 artists who've taken part. Yeah, there's a lot of work. What do you want people to gain from coming to see the exhibition? What do you want them to take away? I want them to come and, and see that they're not alone. That's, that's essentially, that they, they're not alone. They shouldn't be scared of either A, talking to friends or relatives who've lost something really important to them because we haven't really spoken about the fact that there's an exhibit there that's to do with loss of a home. It's to do with refugee, refugees losing their country and losing their home. Um, we've, we did speak about the lady who'd lost a long relationship, a 30-year relationship, but there's, there's other types of loss that people shy away from. Um, you know, loss of a career, loss of a job. And, you know, we know that suicide is a big killer of men, particularly young men, in this country. And often um, they turn to suicide because they're too worried about talking about something that's not going right in their lives. So I suppose this exhibition is really about the difficulties in life. You know, one of the greatest difficulties you'll experience will be the loss of a loved one, but there are other challenges, are other losses in life. And if you don't feel alone, and if you feel that you can talk to others, then that's all to the good. I, I think, in, in essence, that's what, it's, that's what it's for. And you have got the support of a few charities as well. Do you want to just give those a mention? Well, I come under the... The Art of Grieving project comes under the umbrella of Rennie Grove Hospice Care. Um, and so, because when I started, I was part of Bereavement Matters and Bereavement Matters merged with Rennie Grove Hospice Care, it's now comes under their remit and they are incredibly supportive of me and I in turn, so you'll see that the events we've got, the, um, we've got at the Abbey Theatre, we've got an amazing event called Good Grief, which is actually a young Liverpudlian theatre group who are doing three weeks at the Edinburgh Fringe this year and they're, we're very lucky that they're coming to the Abbey Theatre on the 20th of July for one night only. Um, to do their performance and any money, any profit from that performance will be shared between Rennie Grove Hospice Care and the Ollie Foundation. Now, the Ollie Foundation have supported the exhibition since the, they started in 2017 and they, they're running events. They're running an event called um, Finding Magic, which is going to be at the Trestle Artspace Theatre on the Friday the 5th of August, which is by Beverly Bishop, who's one of the artists whose film is in the exhibition. The final thing, as you walk out of the exhibition, you have a tree. Yes. And you're, you're asking people to 
to well yes we've we've got a tree and we've got paper doves um, strung on different colour ribbon um, and it's just for people who wish to leave a message on the memory tree the message of um, remembrance to a loved one or of hope for the future or you know a, a message that they they might want to leave and and actually when when the exhibition opened on the 27th of May I provided 200 doves thinking that that would probably last for half the run of the three-month exhibition and actually all of those doves were used within the first week so there's a lot of people coming who want to write a message of remembrance if you are local to St Albans, I do recommend going along to the Art of Breathing exhibition. Do you know what? My mum actually did once I told her about it in her lunch break because she was just down the road. But if you do want to find out more or potentially submit some work to future exhibitions, then just visit artofgrieving.org.uk. So that's artofgrieving.org.uk. Thank you so much for listening to Goodness Gracious Grief. I'll speak to you soon.